Hello and welcome to Coffee and Code. I'm your host, Ashley Coffee. Coffee and Code is your weekly rundown for the latest top tech news from around the world delivered every Wednesday. On this show, you'll find a mix of the latest news in the tech world, including privacy, infosec, startups, and more, including interviews with experts, innovators, and practical everyday tech tips to level up your life. Subscribe to Coffee and Code to be notified when new episodes go live. You can also find me on Twitter at AshleyCoffee underscore, that's A-S-H-L-E-Y-C-O-F-F-E-Y underscore, and on Instagram at AshleyRCoffee89. Thanks for listening, and welcome to Coffee and Code. Today, I'll be covering Oracle's big move from Redwood City, California to Austin, Texas, the massive SolarWinds hack impacting the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and thousands of businesses this Monday, and Facebook versus Apple in the privacy arena. Let's get to it. Oracle is moving its headquarters from Silicon Valley to Austin, Texas. Oracle is the latest tech company to move its headquarters out of California. The company said on Friday that it's moving its headquarters from the Silicon Valley to Austin, Texas. Quote, Oracle is implementing a more flexible employee work policy and has changed its corporate headquarters from Redwood City, California to Austin, Texas. We believe these moves best position Oracle for growth and provide our personnel with more flexibility about where and how they work. End quote. A bulk of employees can choose their office location or continue to work from home, part-time, or full-time. Quote, in addition, we will continue to support major hubs for Oracle around the world, including those in the United States, such as Redwood City, Austin, Santa Monica, Seattle, Denver, Orlando, and Burlington, among others, and we expect to add other locations over time, end quote. Oracle said by implementing a more modern approach to work, we expect to further improve our employees' quality of life and quality of output. Oracle is one of Silicon Valley's older success stories, founded in Santa Clara in 1977. It moved into its current headquarters in 1989. Several of the buildings on its campus there are constructed in the shape of a squat cylinder, which is the classic symbol in computer systems design for a database, the product on which Oracle built its empire. The coronavirus pandemic has given a number of tech companies and prominent Silicon Valley figures an excuse to exit California. Hewlett-Packard Enterprise announced earlier this month that it will relocate its headquarters from San Jose, California to Houston, Texas. Data analytics software company Palantir Technologies also moved its headquarters to Denver, Colorado from Palo Alto, California earlier this year. 
Tesla and SpaceX chief Elon Musk also confirmed this week that he moved to Texas, though his companies still maintain their major operations in California. Larry Ellison, Oracle's co-founder and chairman, serves on Tesla's board. Ellison has a long-standing friendship with Michael Dell, whose computer company was founded and remains headquartered in the Austin area. This is really interesting. The pandemic has definitely accelerated tech companies moving out of California. Um, It's crazy. I'm very interested to see if that will have any impact on Oklahoma, which is where I am based out of in the United States. Oklahoma is right on top of Texas, and it's about, I would say, an eight eight and a half hour drive from Oklahoma City to Austin, Texas. So I I would imagine that we will start to see some changes in the tech landscape here in Oklahoma, which is really exciting. U.S. Homeland Security, thousands of businesses scramble after suspected Russian hack. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security and thousands of businesses scrambled on Monday of this week to investigate and respond to a sweeping hacking campaign that officials suspect was directed by the Russian government. Emails sent by officials at DHS, which oversees border security and defense against hacking, were monitored by the hackers as part of the sophisticated series of breaches, The attacks first revealed also hit the U.S. Departments of Treasury and Commerce. Parts of the Defense Department were breached. For operational and security reasons, the DOD will not comment on specific mitigation measures or specify systems that may have been impacted. Technology company SolarWinds which was the key stepping stone used by the hackers, said up to 18,000 of its customers had downloaded a compromised software update that allowed hackers to spy unnoticed on businesses and agencies for almost nine months. The United States issued an emergency warning on Sunday ordering government users to disconnect SolarWinds software, which it said had been completely compromised by, quote, malicious actors. That warning suspected Russian hackers had used hijacked SolarWinds software updates to break into multiple American government agencies. Moscow denied having any connection to the attacks. One of the people familiar with the hacking campaign said the critical network that DHS's cybersecurity division uses to protect its infrastructure, including the recent elections, had not been breached. DHS said it was aware of the reports without directly confirming them or seeing how badly it was affected. DHS is a massive bureaucracy, among other things responsible for securing the distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine. The cybersecurity unit there, known as CISA, 
has been upended by President Donald Trump's firing of head Chris Krebs after Krebs called the president election, the presidential election, the most secure in American history. His deputy and the election's chief have also left. SolarWinds said in a regulatory disclosure, it believed the attack was the work of a outside nation state that inserted malicious code into updates of its Orion network management software issued between March and June of this year. Quote, SolarWinds currently believes the actual number of customers that may have had an installation of the Orion products that contain this vulnerability to be fewer than 18,000, end quote. The company did not respond to requests to the press for comment about the exact number of compromised customers or the extent of any breaches at those organizations. It said it was not aware of vulnerabilities in any of its other products, and it was now investigating with help from U.S. law enforcement and outside cybersecurity experts. SolarWinds boasts 300,000 customers globally, including the majority of the United States Fortune 500 companies and some of the most sensitive parts of the U.S. and British governments, such as the White House, defense departments, and both countries' signals intelligence agencies. Because the attackers could use SolarWinds to get inside a network and then create a new backdoor merely disconnecting the network management program is not enough to boot the hackers out, experts said. For that reason, thousands of customers are looking for signs of the hacker's presence and trying to hunt down and disable those extra tools. Investigators from around the world are now scrambling to find out who was hit. A British government spokesman said the United Kingdom was not currently aware of any impact from the hack, but it was still investigating. Three people familiar with the investigation into the hack told reporters that any organization running a compromised version of the Orion software would have had a backdoor installed in their computer systems by the attackers. After that, it's just a question of whether the attackers decide to exploit that access further. Early indications suggest that the hackers were discriminating about who they chose to break into. This is according to two people familiar with the wave of corporate cybersecurity investigations being launched Monday morning. Quote, what we see is far fewer than all the possibilities, end end quote. They are using this like a scalpel. FireEye, a prominent cybersecurity company that was breached in connection with the incident, said in a blog post that other targets included government, consulting, technology, telecom, and other entities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Middle East. Quote, if it is cyber espionage, then it is one of the most effective cyber espionage campaigns we've seen in quite some time, end quote. That was from John Holtquist, FireEye's Director of Intelligence Analysts. Pretty intense stuff here. It's kind of crazy that this type of hack would happen. I mean, I kind of guess it aligns with the theme of 2020.
Facebook attacks Apple software changes in newspaper ads. Facebook Inc. lashed out at Apple Inc. in a series of full-page newspaper ads claiming the iPhone makers' coming mobile software changes around data gathering and targeted advertising are bad for small businesses. These ads, which ran this Wednesday in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post, carried the headline, quote, We're standing up to Apple for small businesses everywhere, end quote. They home in on upcoming changes to Apple's iOS 14 operating system that will curb the ability of companies like Facebook to gather data about users and ply them with targeted advertising. Facebook previously told investors that Apple's changes scheduled to go live early next year will lead to significant headwinds because most of its advertisers are small businesses. Apple has pushed back, accusing Facebook in November of showing a, quote, disregard for user privacy. Quote, while limiting how personalized ads can be used does impact larger companies like us, these changes will be devastating to small businesses, end quote. That was a line from Facebook. Ads that disregard personalized targeting generate 60% fewer sales than ads that target consumers, Facebook added, citing its own data. Apple's new feature at the heart of the issue, app tracking transparency, won't forbid companies like Facebook from collecting targeting data, but will ask them to disclose it and seek user opt-in. In a conference call and blog post Wednesday, Facebook continued its attack, saying Apple's business stands to gain from these changes. They said that Apple is behaving in anti-competitively by using their control of the App Store to benefit their bottom line at the expense of creators and small businesses. This was a quote from Dan Levy, head of Facebook's small business program. Facebook was sued earlier this month by state and federal regulators for alleged anti-competitive behavior. Apple defended its iOS updates, saying it was standing up for people who use its devices. Users should know when their data is being collected and shared across other apps and websites, and they should have the choice to allow that or not. App tracking transparency in iOS 14 does not require Facebook to change its approach to tracking users and creating targeted advertising. It simply requires they give users a choice. The newspaper ads are the latest in what has become a vicious public battle between two of the world's most valuable companies. Facebook has argued repeatedly that Apple's app store fees and the upcoming iOS changes hurt small businesses trying to recover from the pandemic. It's used those attacks to paint itself as as a champion for such users, which many of rely on Facebook's advertising services to drive sales. That reliance can also put small businesses in a bind if they're cut off from the social network. Facebook on Wednesday also said that it will provide supporting documents for Epic Games in its ongoing lawsuit against Apple. Epic, 
maker of the popular Fortnite video game, sued Apple after Apple removed Fortnite from the App Store for violating in-app purchase rules. Earlier this week, Apple launched a nutrition label-style feature in its App Store that outlines what data third-party apps collect, a move that some saw as an attack on Facebook's app given the amount of information it gathers. Facebook's chief executive officer, Mark Zuckerberg, has also criticized Apple's smartphone prices. After his company joined a chorus attacking Apple's 30% fee for in-app purchases for certain services that moved online because of the pandemic, Apple said it wouldn't take such a cut through the end of 2020. Last month, it extended that waiver through June of 2021. Apple defended its ad tracking changes, pointing to recent comments from two of its top executives. Its head of privacy, Jane Horvath, recently said Apple made the change, quote, because we share your concerns about users being tracked without their consent and the bundling and reselling of data by advertiser, advertising networks and data brokers, end quote. Horvath, in a public letter, also criticized Facebook for its approach. She said that Facebook executives have made clear their intent is to collect as much data as possible across both first and third party products to develop and monetize detailed profiles of their users. And this disregard for user privacy continues to expand to include more of their products. Craig Fittery, Apple's head of software engineering, spoke on a panel for an event hosted by the European Data Protection and Privacy Conference in Brussels last week. It's already clear that some companies are going to do everything they can to stop the app tracking transparency feature or any innovation like it to maintain their unfettered access to people's data. While not applicable to Facebook's apps, Apple will reduce its App Store revenue cut from 30% to 15% next year for developers that generate up to $1 million per year. The company said it's implementing the change to support small businesses. Very interesting duel going on here, but I honestly am on the side of Apple here. Um, Apple has always cared about the privacy of its customers. I myself worked at Apple as an employee for almost five years, um, starting in 2011 when Steve Jobs was still at the helm. And one thing that I took away from my time at Apple, I mean, I took away many things, but one really important thing is that Apple does truly care about the privacy um, of its customers and its users, so much so that um, I even experienced an interesting um, situation regarding data privacy. I um, had a friend uh, ask me to unlock her mother's phone um, who passed away. Uh, we went to high school together and she wanted me to unlock her phone because there were a lot of important uh, pieces of information on that phone. And I told her that, I'm sorry, I can't do this. The company doesn't even do it. 
And there are many instances where I had firsthand seen Apple stand up for, for privacy. So I'm on Apple's side here. I think data privacy is important. And I do feel that as consumers, we should have the choice. It's time for your weekly tech tip. This tech tip is something that I use every day, and it's for iPhone users, and it's Apple Pay. I want to talk about Apple Pay today. Um, I've been using Apple Pay ever since it launched. I have it set up on my Apple Watch. I have it set up on my phone. have it set up on my computer. And whenever I use it uh, at the store, let's say Whole Foods or Sprouts or Natural Grocers, I always get questions from either people in line or the cashiers themselves asking about Apple Pay. So whenever I explain to them how Apple Pay works, they suddenly get interested because they realize the connection of how safe and secure it is. And this is legitimately true. Um, Apple Pay is really a safer way to pay online if it's offered or when you're in the store. And the way it works is that Apple Pay uses a device-specific number and a unique transaction code that is created each time you make the transaction. So no two transaction codes will remain the same. So your card number is never stored on your device or on Apple's servers Or when you pay, uh, let's say at a kiosk or POS system, your card information is not being stored in their database. So your card numbers are never shared by Apple with merchants. And when you pay with a debit or credit card, Apple Pay doesn't keep transaction information that can be tied back to you. And when you use Apple Cash, information is stored only for troubleshooting fraud prevention and regulatory purposes. You can set up Apple Pay in your settings. It's really easy, actually. Um, You can get started by adding your debit and credit cards to your iPhone or iPad or Apple Watch. So to do that, it's going to be different for each person that has different types of banks Um, But if you're wanting to set that up, you would go to settings and then wallet and Apple Pay, which is a little bit further down. And then from here, you can set up your Apple Pay. You can set up multiple cards. You can set a default transaction card. You can make sure that your shipping address is up to date. And this is really important, especially during the holiday seasons. Um, Sometimes financial information can be shared accidentally or... just with the recent hacks, you, you want to do everything in your power to, to protect your financial information. So this is the best way to do it, in my opinion. Um, there are other methods if you do not have an Apple iPhone to keep your uh, payment information secure. But the one that I'm covering on the tech tip today is Apple Pay. So I hope this is useful for you. If you need help setting up Apple Pay, it's really easy. You can actually go online to Apple's official website. Make sure you type in apple.com and Apple Pay. And there's a nice tutorial on here on how to do that. Um, also, as a side note, I'd like to mention that Apple will never call you in terms of asking for payment information over the phone. So if that happens to you, it is most definitely a scam. This is a nice little PSA here. 
Um, most of the time, more often than not, Apple and other large companies will not call you and ask you for your financial information. So whenever you're seeking support options for things like this or just tech support in general, um, make sure that it's a safe and reputable company or person. And there are many methods to do that. But if anyone starts asking you for your financial information up front over the phone, it's a scam. So please stay safe. Please don't give your credit card or banking information to random strangers that call you. Um, setting up Apple Wallet is easy and you're not going to get calls like that. But um, that reminded me of a tip that I'd like to share that I've I've been wanting to share for a while. So you get two for one today. Um, setting up Apple Pay and being aware of tech support scammers. That's it. If you enjoyed today's episode of Coffee and Code, head on over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. And it helps other listeners find podcasts that might be interesting to them. I'll actually be doing a giveaway at the end of 2020, and anyone who has submitted a rate or review will be automatically entered to win. Stay tuned for more details and thank you for listening to Coffee and Code.